Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. What a great day. In fact, um, in fact, I'm thinking about uh, Philadelphia. I heard this this week, right? Philadelphia is now the center of the sports world. Did you hear that? Eagles are undefeated. The Phillies are in the playoffs. Um, if anybody happened to have any uh, tickets for Friday's game laying around, you don't know what to do with them. Just saying, just saying. So, hey, you notice Andrew Stanley there? Do you know who Andrew Stanley is? So you know who Andy Stanley is? It's Andy Stanley's son. Some of you may know Charles Stanley. It's Charles Stanley's grandson. So it's going to be a great night. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, worship under the stars. There's going to be food trucks, you know. Uh, Andrew is a hilarious guy. You know, it says, I laugh until I died. We will be having uh, resurrection healing services after. So, and the Phillies are going to be there. All of them. That's really not true. So, let me, forgive me. I just really want you to come. I made that up. The Phillies are not going to be there. So, don't go tell everybody, hey, the Phillies are going to be there. And then, you know, anyhow. So, but come, you got to come. It's going to be great. I ought to bring some friends. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. So when anxiety attacks, we're not saying if anxiety attacks. We're saying when anxiety attacks. And the reason that we're saying when anxiety attacks is because all of us are aware of anxiety. We've all experienced anxiety at one time or another and in different ways, and, and, but we've all, we've all fought off anxiety before. We recognize how our emotions go, right? We get nervous, we, we become restless, we, we're tense. We, we, we know how we think whenever we feel anxious, right? This, this sense of impending danger or panic or, or doom. And, and then some of us, we've been anxious enough that we, that we feel it physically, like our body reacts to our anxiety. We get an increased heart rate. We, we, we start breathing quicker than normal. And, and in fact, I've felt that. I have felt that physically. You know, when I, when I took my, when I, when I pastored in my second church, we weren't there very long. I was only 29, 30 years old. And I was having what I believed was heart attacks, little heart attack symptoms, right? I mean, man, I would become, uh, you know, my chest would, my, I had chest pains. I'd start breathing rapidly. Um, I was breaking out in a sweat. And, I mean, it would get so bad sometimes that, you know, I'd be at home and I'd, I'd, have, these, I'd have these symptoms and, and I'd have to hold on to something next to me so I didn't drop to my knees, I mean, that's how real it was physically to me. So I went to the doctor and I said, hey, look, this is what's happening. And, and the doctor said, well, you're 29 years old. You're probably I'm like, no, this is what something's going on. So he ran me through a you know, whole gamut of tests, right? Like on a treadmill and several other tests. And when he was all done with the test, he, he met with me and he said, okay, well, he said, you're, you're fine physically. You have no physical issues. I'm like, well, what do you mean? What, what could it be if I have no physical issues? He said, well, I think you need to consider panic attacks. And I was like, panic attacks? That's the first time I've ever heard that word. A panic attack? What's a panic attack? He said, well, it's when you get so concerned about something that, you know, that it's overtaking your thoughts and your emotions and you have physical symptoms from it. And I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. You're telling me I'm doing this to myself? Yes. 
So you're telling me I'm thinking something and it's, and so and I'm having physical reactions to my thoughts. Yes. I am thinking myself into this state. That's what you're saying, just to be clear. Yes, I think we need to consider that. And I'm like, you, wow. Do you know once he told me that and once I understood that, I haven't had a panic attack since. I just stopped thinking, period. <laughs> just a, I get it, I'll stop thinking. But I mean, right, I mean, you think about that. Every one of us have experienced moments, maybe not to the extent of a panic attack, but we've experienced moments of anxiety 100% of us has. And the cause of our anxiety can be almost anything, right? It could be, it could be stress, whether stress is at work or whether stress is in our relationships or whether, you know, we have a big test coming or a big project we got to, right? I mean, I mean, the stress can come from anywhere to create the, create the anxiety in us or our health conditions. We're worried about our health and, and so we begin, to feel, we begin to feel anxious. We don't like the, the, the shape we're in. We're like, I mean, all sorts of things can do that. The condition of the world, Hey, man, I don't like the, I, I, I'm struggling with the justice and equality issues in our world. I don't like what's happening. Um, I don't like the crime and the, and the safety issues that are there. My candidate got elected. My candidate didn't get elected. Any sort of unhealthy, overwhelming perspectives. In fact, even positive things can create anxiety in you. I got a new job big vacation coming up. I've got a pack. I got to make sure I have all my documentation. I have to make sure everything's lined up. I mean, almost anything can create anxiety in us. And all of us have experienced anxiety in moments. But you know, they say that uh, one out of every five adults currently deal with anxiety at what they would say is a level of disorder, meaning it is disrupting your life in an unhealthy way. Yeah, you're feeling anxiety at such a level that, that, that at times it's, it's stopping you from being able to function. One out of five of us. I mean, I don't know how many there would be in this room, right? 15 of us or 30 of us or, I mean, wow, it'd be 40 of us deal with that on a regular basis. And then they say one out of three adults deal with it at a disorder level at some time in their life. And so that's why we say when anxiety attacks, not if anxiety attacks, because it's going to attack. Right? We're going to feel anxious at times. But, but man, one of the good things for us is that Jesus, Jesus is not just about getting us out of hell and into heaven. Jesus is about the quality of life we live now. I mean, Jesus is about us having our most peaceful, our most purposeful, and our most productive life here and now. So, so this morning, I just want to give you, I want to give you four thoughts, right? Four thoughts of what to do uh, when you feel anxious. Four thoughts of, of, of how, to, how to step yourself back out of, out of times of anxiety. So, so here's the first thought. We need to prioritize our thinking. We need to prioritize our thoughts. Because one of the things that happens when, when anxiety begins to overwhelm us is that we've taken something and we've elevated it to a level that's too high in our lives. And therefore, it's taken over our thoughts and it's taken over our emotions. And it's... But you know, Jesus actually spoke to us about the priority of our thoughts. 
He spoke to us about what should be the most important thing. Like in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, and listen to the priority. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. You know, Jesus is talking about the priority of what you think about, the priority of your thoughts, what you spend your energies on. He's like, well, okay, you know, you're going to have a priority of things. You're going to have so many things to do. You know what you should do first? You know what should be number one? You know what should dominate that list is kingdom things. Right? The, the kingdom of God elements is what should dominate your thoughts. Man, that should be the first thing you think about in your mind and, 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 and the first thing you're, 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 you're emoting about what you're, what you're taking action on. In fact, in the Old Testament, they said it this way. Listen to this in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says that the things of God, the laws of God, the teachings of God should be on your heart. You should be teaching them to your children. And then listen to, listen to the overall envelopment of the things of God in our lives. It says, when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you get up, the things of God should be on your mind and in your heart. And then it goes on to say, hey, you should bind them on your hands. Right, so that it, 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 it tells you what to do, right? It, it, it informs you of, 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 of what you're doing and you should put them in your foreheads so that it's what you think about. It, it, right, it dominates your thoughts and it, it dominates your actions. And, and then it says, write them on your door frames and in your gates so as you're coming and as you're going, the things of God are dominant in your mind and heart. I mean, the scriptures just said that should be what we do first and foremost. And I know some of us would say, okay, seek, seek the kingdom of God. Seek the, what, what does that look like? I mean, that's a pretty broad idea. What, what does it mean, seek his kingdom? And, and so I, I'll just say this to break it down. The things that bring peace, the things that bring love, the things that bring goodness, spending time caring for others. Now, I don't know if you know who Carl Minniger is, right? But, but Carl Minniger was one of the most uh, well-known psychologists, psychiatrists in, in, in United States history. He started Minniger Clinic, and before Hollywood became current-day Hollywood, he was, the, he was the guy that all the stars went to for help, right, when they were struggling with a myriad of issues. And one day, Carl Minniger was asked what action he would recommend if a person were to feel a nervous breakdown coming on. And here was his response. Lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, and find someone in need and do something for him. In fact, the, one of the most renowned psychologists and psychiatrists in, in, in our history as a nation, and when you say, what should we do? Well, I'll tell you what you should do. You should stop thinking about yourself. And you should stop thinking about what's happening in your life and you should, you should on purpose and with attention take your eyes a different direction. Put them on somebody else and then begin to do things for them. And watch how your nervousness and your anxiety decreases. Kingdom action. Just think about what is the next kingdom action. When you begin to feel overwhelmed, you stop and you say, okay, now Lord, what is it that I need to do and what is it that I need to focus on? And you know it's a priority. You know what? You know it's a priority, not only because he said first, but when Jesus was talking about this, he also tells us what, are, what competes with this in our thoughts. 
Yeah, he says this, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you as well. Then he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. So you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, look, you're thinking about the wrong things. You're worried and you're wound up about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. That is not how you should function. That is not how you should think. You should think kingdom first today. That's how you should think and that's how you should function. Worry and troubles compete with God's space in our hearts and in our minds. Right? So, so Jesus is kind of saying, end the competition. End the competition by refocusing on what it is that should be priorities for us. So, hey, prioritize our thoughts. That's one thing we can do when we begin to feel anxious. That's one thing we can do to help us manage anxiety in our lives. Uh, another thing we, we should do is we should know ourselves. You should know yourself. I mean, right, the, the scripture actually speaks to us about this. The Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul faced all sorts of troubles and trials and hardships in life. And one of the ways in which he handled these, one of the ways in which he journeyed through these is he knew himself well. He knew himself so well and he was so transparent about it that we read about it today. Right? Thousands of years later, we read about what Paul knew about himself, about the good things about himself, about the reality of his situation, about his weaknesses, he writes about all of those in the scriptures, like the good things about himself. Man, Paul understood what his qualifications were. He understood his birthplace. He understood his heritage. He understood his advantages. He understood his education, his accomplishments. He understood his personality. And he, and he, and he spoke to those things. And to the church in Philippi, he wrote, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of the Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the Christian church. As for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. So he's telling you what he knows about himself. This is, and this is who I am. This is how I function. In Acts 22, he says, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel. You know what he's telling everybody? Man, the teacher of teachers, that's who was my teacher. The, the number one, I mean, the most famous, respected, that's who taught me. And I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you today. So like Paul's telling you, I know what's good about me. Like I know how I function. I know what my personality is. I know what I tend to depend upon. I, I know these things about me. But, but he also looked very clearly at the reality of his situation. You know, you know he was very clear about, about where he was and what was happening and what he was going through. So to the Corinthian church, he wrote this. I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently I have been flogged more severely. I have been exposed to death again and again. And he doesn't just do it like in a general way. He starts to get very specific. Like he goes on, he says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. You know, sometimes we think, hey, if I pretend it doesn't exist, it's going to go away. If I say it's different than it is, 
magically it's going to change. And Paul's like, no, let me tell you exactly this journey I've been on, what I have faced and probably what's going to face me in the future. I mean, he knew who he was. He knew what his strengths were, but he also knew the reality of his situation. And, and then, then he knew his personal weaknesses. Right? In 2 Corinthians, he, he writes to the church and he says, I was given a thorn in a flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I want you to know, I'm not, I have physical pain. There's something that's, that, that's hard for me to do. There's, there's difficulties that I struggle with it's, that, that I have to overcome. Like, like he knew his weaknesses. You know, when we're anxious, we're always worrying about other people and situations we can't control. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, we start to get anxious because we're like, what are, they, what are they thinking about me? Well, why are they thinking that? Well, I don't want them to think that. Well, what are they going to do? I don't want them to do that. Well, they should do this. Well, what are they? And the more we try to handle and control things that we cannot control, the more anxious we become. But, but in reality, you know who the most difficult person for you to lead is? You know who the most difficult person it is for you to lead? And men, do not say your wife. That would, be a, that would be a dangerous answer if you said that. You know who the most difficult person for you to lead? It's not anybody who works for you. It's not anybody who you work for. It's not your neighbors. It's not your kids. You want to know who the most difficult person to lead in your life is? You. You. Nobody argues more with you than you. You argue with yourself more than anybody else. It's absolutely true. Like, I, like last night, I had a whole conversation with myself, right? I'm, I'm at home and Dora went to bed so I could operate in secret. She went to bed and I said, you know, I really don't want any ice cream. I'm not going to eat any ice cream. Um, I'm not going to eat it. As I walked into the kitchen, it opened up the freezer. I'm not doing this. Nope, this isn't good for me. I'm not going to. As I got it out, as I scooped the ice cream, as I put the walnuts, as I put the chocolate syrup on top, I'm thinking, I'm not eating this. I'm going to put this back in the freezer. I'm just going to take one little bite. And next thing you know, half the carton went away somewhere. But you know, you're the hardest person to lead. You argue with yourself more than anybody. I mean, we get so wound up about other people disagreeing with us and we can't even agree with ourselves. I mean, that's the first person that we, we, should, we should learn to lead. And you know, Jesus helps us with that. You know how he helps us? He helps us with this wonderful thing called grace. Just let that soak for a second. Do you know what grace does in the ability to see yourself as you are? The gift of grace allows you to be brutally self-aware. You know why that is? Because Jesus loves you. In spite of where you are, in spite of what you do, in spite of how you mess up, in spite of all your failures, Jesus loves you. You don't need to fear him. I mean, everything that, that, that you're thinking about yourself that you, you don't want to make your, yourself aware of because you don't want to know it because you don't want to feel bad or everything that you think, I can't bring this up, I can't talk to God about it because, you know, who knows what he's going to think. 
Man, grace covers all that. I mean, right, because this is what it says, man. When we confess, what does he do? He's faithful to us and he forgives us. So there's this, this power in grace that, that as he covers us and cleanses us with grace, it allows us to be more vulnerable, more vulnerable with him and more vulnerable with ourselves. So, I mean, this, this wonderful thing of grace that God's given us should allow us to be like, like more self-aware. It should allow us to examine ourselves deeply so that we can say, well, let me tell you where I'm strong. Let me tell you where I'm weak. Let me tell you where I fail because of this, because this great gift that God has given us grace. Let me tell you what I need to say. I mean, think about Paul. Here's Paul. Paul will say all this stuff about himself. Like even in when he tells the Romans, you want to know who the biggest sinner is? Me. Yeah, he says that at one point. I am the chief of sinners. I mean, like you think about that and you think, whew, why? Because of this wonderful power to cover and cleanse this idea of being brutally aware and confession and receiving God's grace and its work in our life is this, this great gift. So it's like we should just like, right, we should know ourselves brutally. And God is like, hey, know yourself. Confess yourself. And this is what I'll do. I mean, that should help us, right? So, so obviously, like if we know ourselves, there's something else that we need to know, and it's this. Whatever you discover about yourself, God loves you and he works through imperfect people. Do you know the scripture is full of people that are imperfect? I mean, the scripture is full of people that, that they fail over and over and over again. They don't things, do things right. They don't think right. I mean, man, it's like, think about this. I mean, I mean I, and I have conversations like this once in a while where somebody will say to me, you know, I, I can't live like people in the Bible live. And I said, well, how do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you know, they're perfect. And they're, it's like, well, you, you haven't read the Bible if you think that the characters in the Bible are perfect because they are not. Like take Abraham, for instance. He lied more than once about who his wife was to others. And it caused problems. It caused problems for him. It caused problems for the other people. But he lied. Jacob was a deceiver. He deceived his dad. He deceived his brother on purpose and with intention. Joseph, Joseph was full of pride. And that caused all sorts of problems in his family relationships. Moses was full of fear. All the time he was insecure. He didn't want to speak publicly. I mean, there was a lot of insecurities that, that Moses struggled with continually. David was an adulterer. Naomi was a bitter mother-in-law. Peter was a denier. Thomas was a doubter. I mean, all through the scriptures, you see imperfect people that God loves, that he cares for, that he transforms, that he works through. I mean, your inadequacies, your fears, your worries, even your sin does not disqualify you from the love and the resources of God, Amen. your life. I mean, that's powerful truth for us to embrace. Grace, if we confess it, right? If we confess it, man, he just is faithful to forgive us, to cleanse. And, and you know what confession is. You know, in the original language, the, the word for confession is translated exactly to say as has been said. So it's not like you're originating anything. Somebody else already said it, which means God already said it. 
The scripture has already said it. All you're doing is agreeing with it, right? That's what confession is. You're agreeing with what God already says. You know, the scripture says we're all born in sin. You're a sinner. We go, I'm a sinner. The word says, you know, you need a savior. Yep, I need a savior. You know, that savior is Jesus. Yep, that, I need a savior. I need Jesus as my savior. You can get help. I can get help. God can help you. God can help me. God can cleanse me. God can cleanse me. I mean, you're loved. I am loved. All of that is confession. It's agreeing with what the scripture says about you. It's personalizing the scripture, right? It's making it your own. So, I mean, this idea of like, we, we, we ought to be able to be brutally honest about ourselves because God loves us and wants to work in powerful ways in us. And then, here, then my final thought, right, of, of, of all of these, my, my fourth thought is we need to build our identities in Christ. So, like, don't build your identity on your job, your workplace. Don't build your identity on your, your sports team. You know, don't build your identity on the myriad number of things that you can build your identity on. Build your identity in Christ. So this week, this week, Monday, Monday, uh, our son Garrett, he's our youngest son, uh, had his first day on his new job. So he just graduated from nurse anesthetist school. And, uh, you know, he, he took a job, and his first day was Monday. So Sunday night, he sent a text to, to me and his mother, right? So Dora and I got a text, and the text is right there. It just says this, pray for me tomorrow. It's my first day on the job. So mom and I, right, we kick into action. So the first thing we do is, is we want Garrett to know who he is, so we say to Garrett, oh, you know, Dora and I, we say, oh, man, you're, Garrett, you have worked hard. You have studied. You've been diligent. You know how to do this job. You have, you know, you've fulfilled your residency. None of this is new to you. You have prepared yourself. You are ready to go. This is your time. I mean, right, we're sending different little texts like that. We're proud of you. You know, you're, right, because we want him to know who he is, right? You have no reason to doubt yourself. And then we went to even the more important level. And you see that text there. Mama and I prayed for you this morning. You're not alone. We didn't only want him to know who he was in himself and the efforts he gave and how competent we think he is. We wanted to know whose he is. We wanted him to know I'm not walking into this surgery room alone. I am not by myself. I am not all uh, just what I've learned and how I've, how I've discovered and how I've been educated. Man, no, I am. I am not alone. And, and here's the issue. Many of us, right, non-believers, but many of us as believers, we live life like we're alone. Man, we live life like, you know, I mean, we don't deny the scripture. We don't deny who Jesus is. Man, for most of us in this womb, we believe that Jesus is who he said he is, but then we never apply that fully in our lives. Right, I mean, Jesus came so your eternal destiny would change, 
but he also came so your journey would change. I mean, he came because, man, when we were born, we were broken, and we were on this downward spiral to our final destination, right? And, and Jesus came so that we wouldn't end up with our final destination, hell, that we would end up in heaven, but he also came so that we would begin to live and function differently in this world, right? That we could, we could have peace, that we could have purpose, that our lives could be productive beyond just our self-interest. I mean, man, he, he came so that, so that, so that man, the, the, the peace and the purpose and the productivity of our lives could move in the right direction. I mean, how powerful is that? And, and we just, you know, believer, man, we just need to, to live it out, apply it in the circumstances of our lives. Like, like you know, the, the passage of Scripture where it says, you know, approach the throne of God boldly. You know, you know, there's times we approach the throne of God boldly, but it's really interesting to me everything that's packed into that passage of Scripture. So, so listen to this. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. You know what that says? Jesus understands how you feel. Yeah, I mean, right, he became flesh. He understands the, the limitations of flesh, right? I mean, he understands that. He understands how you feel. Do you think Jesus never felt anxious? Or do you think Jesus never had worries or concerns? Do you think Jesus never faced anything that was overwhelming? Man, all you had to do is spend a couple minutes in the Garden of Gethsemane with him. And you realize, whoa, he dealt with some, he understands, he can have sympathy for us when we're anxious and, and when we have concerns and when we, and then it goes on, he says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then it tells us what our reaction should be to who Jesus is. Let us then, because of who he is, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Right, so man, we're like, man, I can approach God's throne of grace because Jesus knows what I'm going through. So man, I can, just, I can approach it boldly. Right, and with confidence. And then listen to this, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Not just our times of sin, in our times of need. I mean, what do, what do you need? Where do you need help? Man, Jesus gets it. Approach the throne boldly in your times of need. I mean, not just in your times of sin, not just in your times of sickness or ailment. You should approach it boldly then. But I mean, in your times of need, right? Approach it because he knows. I mean, Jesus is about more than moving you from hell to heaven. Man, Jesus is about the quality of life that he wants you to live, right? The peace he wants you to exist in, the, the purpose he wants you to embrace, the, 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 the productivity beyond our own self-interest that he wants you to engage Man, he's about so much that impacts the quality of our lives. Like, like, like in Genesis 1.27, think about this, right? Way back in the beginning, Genesis 1.27, this is what it says about you. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. The image of God is stamped all over you and inside of you. In your heart, in your mind, in your emotions. I mean, God is stamped all over you, right? Now, now hear this. You live your most peaceful, your most purposeful, and your most productive life 
when you live into the image that God created you in. It's just true, right? It's just what the Bible teaches us and tells us. John 14, 9. You want to know what that image looks like in its fullness? John 14, 9. Jesus says, anyone who's seen the Father has seen me. Right, so you, you watch that, and he, he gives us a pattern, and you look at that and go, man, that's it. But think about these scriptures for times of anxiety. Hebrews 13, 5. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. It's okay if I'm weak. It's okay if I'm not the strongest. It's okay if I'm not the most knowledgeable. It's okay if I'm not the greatest communicator. It's okay if I, if I, if I, if I stumble on my words or I, I delight in my weaknesses and my insults and my hardships and my persecutions in the difficulties that I face. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. That's why it's important to know who you are. But more important, it's to know whose you are. Because he's strong in your weakness. I mean, Jesus is like, who? And, and my fear is for believers is that so many times we would not disagree with any of those scriptures. We would just not apply them in our lives. So we'll be overwhelmed and anxious about work instead of approaching the throne of God boldly for help in our time of need. We'll be overwhelmed and anxious about so many different things in our lives. When Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Think kingdom things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yeah, but you don't understand my work. Let me tell you exactly how to handle that. Go boldly to the throne of God about your work. Go boldly to the throne of God about your provision. Go boldly toward the throne of God about your next step. What's the next kingdom thing? And then, and then, right? I worry about those of us who are believers who don't apply it. But then the other side, I worry about those who are unbelievers and the anxiety in which you can be overwhelmed with because you have not come to the place to put your faith in the creator of life. He has made you in his image. And instead of embracing it, it's denied or it's wrestled with or it's ignored. And, and man, I think about that and I think Jesus didn't come just to bring you from, from hell to heaven. He came to impact the way you live life now in a great way. So, so here's what I want to do this morning. This morning, I want to say a word of prayer. I want to pray for, for all of us in this room that are believers, all of us that are online that are believers. I want us to, I want us to go to prayer. And I want us to pray and say, Lord, help me to apply this. Man, when I wake up tomorrow morning and I have to go into the office and normally when I feel anxious and overwhelmed, Lord, I want to be able to apply this. I'm going to go boldly before you. Whatever it is that's happening in your life, let's go boldly before him. Lord, help me. Lord, practice his presence. Practice the reality that you are not alone. I, I want to go to prayer about that. And then I want to have an opportunity to pray for those who have not yet come to believe. 
So man, everybody, everybody bowed head, closed eyes. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you so much for, for the impact of your grace on our lives. Man, we know we're sinners. We know our Savior. We've received you. Your spirit lives in our heart. Now, Lord, help us to apply that in all the avenues of our lives. Help us, Lord, to learn to live before the throne of your grace. Oh, when we're at work or, or whatever waits on us when we get home or whatever, whatever's happening tomorrow or whatever might, what, might, might fill our mind up for Thursday or, or, or next week or, or, Lord, let us learn to live you first in front of your throne, filling our lives. We are not alone. Jesus, I praise you for that. I praise you for that truth and I praise you for the power that's in it. So Lord, work on every single one of us. Lord, work on the, the peace in our lives and, and, and the purpose in our lives and, and, and the productivity in our lives. Jesus, just, just man, just we are open. Man, we are tired of being worried about things and we're, we're tired of being filled with anxieties and, and, and we don't like what it does to our thoughts and, and our emotions and sometimes even to our physical body. So Jesus, Jesus, man, we are, we're, gonna, we're gonna live before the bold throne, live before the throne boldly, Lord. And then Jesus, for those of us in the room and online who have not yet expressed their faith and belief in you. Lord, I pray that you would move upon them, that you would make yourself known very clearly. I pray this morning that they would open your heart to, to the work that you've done for them on the cross of Calvary and through the resurrection. How even though they don't believe, you are still present. They're not out of your sight or out of your mind. That all the good things in their life are still delivered by you. Now, Jesus, I pray for them. And, and if you're here, if you're online, if you're in person and you've never prayed to accept Christ as your Savior, to receive his goodness, his grace into your heart and life, I'm gonna say a word of prayer. You can repeat after me. I'm just gonna talk about my sin and his righteousness and his work, that he's the Savior. You can repeat after me or you can use your own words because it's just important that God hears from you in a genuine, real way. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, broken, and I know I need a Savior. And I believe that you are who you say you are and that the work you did on the cross and through the resurrection is sufficient for me. So Lord, I turn from my own thoughts that often spiral me down <laughs> and I turn to your thoughts in all of their fullness that help me with my peace and purpose and productivity. I turn to your thoughts 
And right now, I receive your powerful grace in my life. And I accept your spirit in my heart to lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice, for the love that drove it, and for the impact that it has on me. We praise you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, now if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you're in-house, this is what you can do. There's a card on the chair next to you. You can fill that card out, check the box on it that says, I prayed today. You can, you know, if you're digital, if you, have a, if you don't have a pen, you can flip it over, use your phone, and, and click that little dotted thing on the back. You can fill it out digitally if that would be your preference. If you're online, jump into the chat. Folks in the chat room, they're telling you what to do right now. If you prayed to accept Christ, jump in the chat. Let it be known. Give them a wave. Tell them you said the prayer. And, uh, and we want to journey together. The truth is you're not alone because he's with you. But we're not alone. He's with us and we're together. And we want to journey together. So let us know, right, what Jesus is doing in your life. That's a good thing. We're about ready to say the, we're about ready to take the offering. If you filled that card out, you can slip it in the basket. Let's pray as the ushers make their way forward. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for your grace and your gifts. And Lord, receive what it is that we bring according to your instructions to us, Lord. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching this video. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you got a lot out of it. If you feel like you need to respond, you can visit fairviewvillagechurch.com prayer and you can fill out the forms there and let us know how we can be praying for you. Or you can scan the QR code below and that'll take you everywhere you need to go for next steps. Thanks so much for joining. We hope you have a great week and looking forward to connecting with you.